a Shishkin Productions podcast. Welcome to the All Ships podcast. I'm your host, Dave Krugman. And today we have a special story for you after a long hiatus recorded just after NYC NFT. We're back with the Drifter Shoot story, a history of the rise of an astounding force in the Web3 community. Isaac Wright, more widely known as Drifter Shoots, was kind enough to come by and share his origins with me in the winding and tumultuous road that has led him to even higher heights than the buildings he climbs. Drift is a true artist with his heart in the right place, and I'm so glad to be able to have this conversation to share with you. As a note, this conversation took place later in 2021, so anything that has happened since will not be addressed. Please be aware that this episode contains discussion of mental health and discussions of suicide. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text the crisis text line by texting HELLO to 741741. Welcome to another transmission of the All Ships podcast. I'm your host, Dave Krugman. And today I have Isaac Wright with me, aka Drifter Shoots, who has had an epic journey through the space, uh, both as an artist and a, and, you know, a crypto artist as well. And I'm really glad to have you here. And I'm actually really glad to have you here in studio, in person, for a rare in-person All Ships podcast. So, so welcome. I'm glad to have you in New York. Yeah. No, I'm glad to be here, Dave. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, it's interesting. We we just had lunch and we were talking about a lot of different things. Um, one of the things that we were discussing is just the incredible potential of NFTs and, and what's unlocked with Web3 technologies. Um, I guess let's just start really quickly by maybe you can tell me how you found out about this technology and what maybe what, what was the moment where it clicked where you're like, oh, okay, I see what I can do here because you found a lot of success in this space already. Yeah, no, for me... Um so I was incarcerated and this was February of 2021 and February or March, um, my friend that was running my social media page to keep everybody updated on my story and how everything was going. Uh, we got on a jail call and he was like, uh, he was like, there's these things happening right now called NFTs and artists are selling their work for money. And he was like, maybe we could get you into it to like help me raise money for your bond. Um, and so I think he tried to like make me some accounts and stuff, but like neither one of us knew what we were doing. So, and obviously I was locked up and so I had no idea mm. what an NFT was. Um, but then, uh, once we got me out in April, um, I had increasing legal fees and I had extra lawyers to add to my team. And so I was thinking to myself, like, well, there's really no way for me to pay for these people. I couldn't rely on um, people giving me money. Um, the GoFundMe only raised like fifteen to twenty thousand total, um, and that was not going to be enough to even pay for one lawyer. Um, and so, and I ended up having five and another member of my team, so six members that, um, all very good uh at what they do and like all very expensive um so i just told myself like the plan before i got incarcerated um a year before when i was retiring from the army 
then getting out was to be an artist and the plan after spending my time locked up and then getting out was also to be an artist so uh, i just told myself like this was the time to dive in head first and i had no idea what i was doing but i got a foundation invite um i had already been on photo twitter for years um and i just started sharing my work and i put a few of my best pieces up as nfts um made a few sales nothing like extremely life-changing but um started to after i made uh about five or six sales i had a decent amount of money to pay some of my lawyers for the time being um and then things started to progress a lot more heading into like july august right cool um so yeah i mean we touched on a lot right there so why don't we go back a little further and let's talk about you know the type of work you make and um the kind of story about how you know everything kind of spiraled into this much bigger <laughs> bigger uh you know national news story honestly yeah so where did where did this journey begin for you and like what happened to bring you to this point today well growing up i was never really into anything artistic i wasn't um i couldn't even draw a stick figure to save my life man like i i just it's not that i didn't have interest in art it's just i was never good at anything um and so um i was serving on active duty in the army and i did six years total uh, and then wow. retired last april um from 18 to 24 and uh so um i i was in the middle of those six years around when i was 21 22 i'm 25 now um and i was i was struggling very hard i was struggling with my own personal growth and personal life had family issues um just went through the loss of a really great friend like my best friend back home to suicide and then i ended up losing back-to-back -back soldiers to suicide too um and so i was coming off the toughest year of my life um i was, com I was working myself out of thirty thousand dollars worth of debt like i lost my partner i mean it was literally it was the worst time of my life but it was when i really came into figuring out who i am yeah um and so i i got a camera in fall of 2017 i didn't use it and then in may of 2018 i had just relocated and got moved from special operations in fort bragg down to a light infantry unit at fort polk louisiana which is in the middle of nowhere um and i was restarting life in the middle of crisis and mm. um didn't want to be there didn't want anything to do with it but i just made up my mind like i can either be here and just complain about it the whole time or i can make the most out of this place yeah so um i didn't know that that summer i would lose two soldiers i was working with closely to suicide um or three soldiers actually um but two of them i was much closer with than the other one um i didn't know all the things that were coming up but i just knew i was having a very hard time in life and um was dealing with my own depression and ptsd and so i i took my camera and i drove two and a half hours to houston new orleans was on the other side of the state four hours away houston 
I was actually closer to crossing into Texas. Um, and I shot around, uh, did like a portrait meetup, like didn't really care for it that much. Was kind of like looking for my thing or whatever. Um, and the like this previous year I had seen, and I don't know how I stumbled onto it, but I saw some um, explorers on Instagram and like they're exploring bridges, tunnels, roofs. I mean, just anything you've never, abandoned places, anything you've never seen before, you know, all these different un unseen perspectives of the world. And I just thought to myself, like, that was pretty amazing. But I never thought to, like, try any of it myself. It was, like, never, like, I saw and I was like, oh, I have to go do that. Um, and now these people I saw are, like, very good friends of mine and peers of mine. And it's amazing now, uh, four years later, three years later, how things, like, come full circle. But uh, I went to Houston like one night I just I was so I could not sleep and I drove to Houston and this was towards the end of May uh, of 2018 and I just uh, went into a construction site that was about 50 stories tall climbed the stairs up and just sat above the city and I took a few very terrible photos because <laughs> I was just getting started and like uh but it was just like a sense of calm that I never have ever experienced, you know. Um, and when I'm exploring, like it's just all instinct, all being one with uh, like the elements, you know, yeah. everything around you. Like you're just you're just centered. You're just centered with the universe. You're centered with the world. When I'm climbing, when I'm moving, when I'm making the next move, when I'm trying to get from point A to point B, it's just like it's you. You're there. You're fully present with the world, you know. And you're seeing it in a light that people never see it in. You know, if you if you watch when people get on a plane, everyone looks out the windows and like sees the clouds and like, you know, you just watch different people's reactions, you know, old, young, mm. in between, whatever. They're just sitting there and they're looking at it and there's that sense of like awe and wonder. Yeah. And it's no different like when you're exploring wow. all these places that we're not supposed to see, right. you know. Um, and so... That sense of peace just like completely pervaded throughout my body and my mind. And, you know, for me, as someone who has struggled hard um, with PTSD and with depression, it has been such a life saving thing, you know, um, and it it more than anything like has been an affirmation to live you know people see my work and they're like you know do you have a death wish or whatever and it's like no it's an appreciation for life like everything everything about it is uh it's like a full immersion in the life itself um so i i continued shooting around houston for a little bit and then in august of 2018 i came to new york city to shoot for the first time <laughs> And ended up um, like shooting one roof, which is actually, I found out the hotel that I'm staying at right now. So it was like weird. Um, circle. <laughs> yeah. I came back here and they had changed the name. And then I like saw it and I went into the building and I'm like, wait a second. Like, this is the same roof. Like, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. But then it was the same thing. One night I was like very restless and I watched, uh, video of my now friend uh, he goes by em1 em1t uh, and 
it just inspired me to go climb. And I went to 220 Central Park South, which is now like some of the most expensive luxury condos in New York City, right next to Columbus Circle, a thousand feet above Central Park. And I climbed the construction site all the way up. And I just sat there and watched sunrise from what is now like a penthouse balcony. Right. I just walked out into the unfinished. It was an unfinished penthouse at the time. I walked out onto the balcony and watched the sunrise. And like, I, I just felt it right then and there. I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. So I just, um, I kept exploring from there. I mean, anything, tunnels, roofs, abandoned buildings, bridges, bridges are a favorite. Um, and yeah, I just kind of <laughs> fell down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, once you find your truth, then at that point you're kind of, I don't want to say you're in the hands of fate, but you know, like when you really find like what it is that you would both live and die for, there's really no going back at that point. Like you're the only person standing in your yeah. way, you know? Wow. So uh i just i had a great and very successful army career and i was progressing faster than literally anybody else um in my branch that i was peers with you know um and had done you know a lot of amazing things went through a lot of amazing schools and special training and deployed and but i was that was done like i I just found i found something that just spoke to me in a way that nothing else ever ever had so um i ended up getting injured anyways and um have internal damage in my right leg and i had to retire um but or else i'd be getting out in 2022 but i felt like that was the universe's way of saying like this is your time Mm. like like uh like it already knew like i wanted to be a full-time photographer and artist and so um yeah, I got out last April and I just never looked back. I just got out and started shooting like crazy. Right. And you've so. been all over. You've been to so many, you know, uh, places that, as you say, like the places you aren't supposed to be. Um, you know, it's part of part of what you do is this like, you know, cutting edge uh, ur- urban exploration and, and just going to areas that are kind of like, you know, off limits to the general public. And, you know, that's led you into... A, some friction against authorities and stuff like that. So do you want to speak to, you know, what happened, um, you know, earlier this, I guess earlier this year. Yeah. It would have um, been end of last year, end of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, people coming down on you really hard. And then the article in the New York times and, and everything that's been unfolding for you. Yeah. Um, so whatever details I can go into, I will. Um, so, December 17th of 2020, I was, uh, I was arrested on my way to Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I was driving interstate 40. I was with a friend. I was sick that day. She was driving. I was in the passenger seat and, um, I was on my way to do my first product shoot ever in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and we're driving down the highway and traffic stopped on this huge international highway. There's a helicopter spinning. 
I'm thinking that someone's getting airlifted out to the hospital. Um, but that wasn't the case. I started seeing state troopers, U.S. Marshals drive backwards down the highways and they're looking in the cars and they're armed with assault rifles. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, obviously this doesn't feel right. Um, but I didn't think anything of it, you know, I just laid there and that was that, you know, um, about five to 10 minutes later, they do another round. They're coming back. They're coming backwards down the highway. And then it was like, everything stopped for a minute or two. And it was just so odd. Didn't know where they went. Some of them parked their cars. And then 10 to 20 of them sprang in a circle around my vehicle, armed with assault rifles. Uh, they ordered me out at gunpoint, um, out of the car, um, forced to lay face down in the middle of the highway, gun to the back of my head. Um, I have no earthly idea what's going on. Right. Um, and so they would seize all my camera gear, my laptop, my cameras, uh, GoPro, memory cards that I had with me because I was working on a big video project. I mean, just everything. Um, and they ended up letting my friend go. Um, so I'm sitting in the back of a police car and I'm being, so I started asking the officer like, what's going on? And he was like, you're appearing as an armed robbery suspect. They said that you're armed and dangerous. You're specially trained from the army, uh, that you probably kidnapped the girl you're with and like held her against her will, um, that you jumped out of a hotel in Amarillo, Texas to evade the police. I mean, they I mean, literally, you would have thought I was like Jason Bourne or like James Bond <laughs> or something, man. Like, and I'm just sitting here. And so, like, not one bit of factual information. I'm not armed. I'm not evading the police. I'm not jumping out of windows. Like, I'm yeah. so I'm just floored, right? And so off they go. They take me to a jail in Flagstaff, Arizona. And the jail wouldn't accept me because I was violently sick. And, you know, this was, you know, Arizona was the leading state for COVID at that time. And um, so they sent me to the hospital where I was guarded for like five days around the clock, chained to the hospital bed. Um, and I just laid there and, you know, they gave me antibiotics and stuff till I got better. Um, and, you know, someone either sat inside the room or outside the room at all times, handcuffed. It was really wild. Didn't get any more information about what was going on. So this is why I started compiling a list of numbers that I still have to this day. Um... I convinced the nurse to show me how to use uh, the hospital phone to call out. Right. And I called my dad and then my dad called my now Cincinnati lawyer that's been with me for this whole ride. Right. And then I started getting him to call or contact people and I have this little blue piece of paper with all these numbers scribbled on it. 
that I would keep throughout the whole time, you know. Um, so then I would be held without bond for two months in Arizona. Ohio was supposed to come get me. They waited two whole months. I had no bond. The first half of that, I spent locked down 23 hours a day. Damn. Um, you know, I had an hour out to shower and make, you know, very limited phone calls. Um, the second half, they moved me in the GP and it was a lot better. Um, and yeah, I, then I was told I was being charged with felony to burglary. Um, and then taking the video footage they seized from me, they then, it was one, one detective, I mean, uh, Detective Jeff Ruberg in Cincinnati, you know, who, who literally spearheaded everything. Um, he would just go and try to get me charged anywhere across the United States from the footage they seized. Um, for, for trespassing? trespassing but then he would convince them that they needed to charge like charge me with burglary or whatever and like now that it's now it's like now like the world sees that like i was being vastly overcharged but at the time like he was going with this narrative here's this crazy veteran armed and dangerous you know he's breaking into places and what could he be doing and right. you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you have the fact that i'm black and there's so many different things like and white explorers get arrested all the time and they just get community service or, you right. know I mean? There's so many different things that like, and elements to it that's like very crazy, but, um, so he, uh, he proceeded to get me charged in multiple places in Cincinnati. Um, and then, uh, when I would get back to Ohio, I'll just fast forward to there because it's a long story. Yeah, sure, yeah. But I, 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 I got extradited back to Ohio after two months. They handcuffed me, put a giant jacket over me, and flew me in the back of a plane to Ohio. Um, then they locked me up in downtown Cincinnati in my own city. Um, and I was supposed to get out. Um, like, go there, get arraigned, get out. Um, but you know, I met with the detective and I told him like, Hey, I have nothing to say. I don't have my lawyer present, whatever. He cuts off the recorder and then off the record, he says, I just want you to know you're never getting out. He said, um, he was like, I know you think that you're going to arraignment tomorrow and you're going to be fine. He's like, but you're not. He said, I'm, he's like, I've already got warrants signed in other places and they're going to. He was like, and then you're going to have holders. So even if you pay your bond here, you can't get out because you have a holder, you have holders in other states. Um, and he was like, and then you're just going to go state to state and then you're going to get sentenced and spend years of your life in prison. Insane. So I just looked at him and I was like, can I go back to my cell now? And uh, that's when I knew that I was really in a fight for my life, you know? Yeah. Um, so just as he said, the next day came, I couldn't get out cause he had gotten me charged in Michigan, um, for allegedly climbing the Mackinac bridge. Um, and we ended up winning that case. Um, but by that time he had gotten me charged in Louisiana Oh God. for, allegedly shooting an abandoned property um 
that had been shot over and over again. And right. there was white kids on YouTube, like doing a full tour of the property. I mean, just so many crazy things, but yeah. here I was, um, and couldn't get out because of it. And so, uh, I should say this is an important detail. After we beat Michigan, we went again to try to, we would have gotten me out on an ankle monitor the next day. Right. Cause there was no holder anymore. I just had to pay the Ohio bond. Then I was good. Yep. Pay the Michigan bond, pay the Ohio bond. I'm good. Then, um, the prosecution, knowing that I was going to get out, called an emergency bond hearing. They argued that if they let, they argued in front of a new judge while my judge was on vacation, that if they let me out, I would be too dangerous and a threat to society. And that I'm, they don't know what my motives were. <laughs> that, uh, you know, and this is, I have no criminal record. Right. I'm honorably retired. I've fought in the global war on terror for this country. I've yep. lost friends. I've had friends come back missing limbs. Yeah. You know, all, all messed up. Um, and now that's all being used against me. So, uh, so I will never forget that because in an open court, I watched the judge say, no, that's a perfectly reasonable reason for me to make my bond $400,000 so that I could not get out. Right. So that would cost me to stay locked up for two more months. So, you know, but you just keep fighting on, you know? Yeah. So I kept fighting we won the michigan case we then had to take care of louisiana and we convinced the judge we finally got the bond lowered down from four hundred thousand dollars to something i could pay then we convinced the judge to let me out to drive to louisiana and uh turn myself in there bond out come back to ohio be on an ankle monitor right get out two days later i sit down with dave phillips from the new york times tell my whole story start to finish as it was at that time and what's the article called so people can find it um so it was published on june 6 of 2021 it was on the front page um and i'm not a big fan of the title because it doesn't represent me at all but it was it said something along the lines of a road climber um fleeing from the law was fleeing from his own trauma i mean you know it's a right, it's yeah, a yeah. it's an editor picking a catchy headline yeah. you know it's not whatever but um but but dave did a fantastic job writing the article and i felt like he painted me in a very fair light right so um but it was published on june 6th of of 2021 um, and it was kind of about like the dispro completely disproportionate response to disproportionate the, yeah. response. I mean, there's some elements of the article like saying that I was found because I supposedly slapped a stick on the top of this huge structure, and apparently the detective goes up there and finds it. Like that's not true. Um, but <laughs> makes for a good story, though. <laughs> makes for a great story. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean disproportionate response um elements of racism elements of um 
excessive force, everything like that. Um, so I, um, in between that, I was rearrested twice at gunpoint, unarmed, locked back up twice. Um, one, when I came back from the on court orders from Louisiana, uh, the detective had me intercepted in Kentucky, illegally seized my car, illegally seized my phone, had me taken at gunpoint. Uh, my dad had to come get me three days later. Uh, I was in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, and that was right after I just got out. So just repeated trauma over and over. The next month, they raided my dad's apartment, 15 of them, took me at gunpoint again. Completely unarmed. Just a ridiculous level of force for, you know, su such a... Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. You know, I mean, with my background, race, training, PTSD, etc. Like, I... And just the fact of the environment I had just gotten out of. Um, you know, being housed with all violent felons being, you know, cause that's like what my charges were in Cincinnati, um, were considered violent felonies. Um, I mean, it was a concoction for disaster. If I did one wrong thing, if I did not have every ounce of myself centered and under self-control, I would I would solidify the narrative that they have put out. Right. Me. Yeah. It's an interesting point too. Or I would die. Like right. I'd be shot and killed. There's just no two ways around it. Like you can't, I was already, there's, you know, they they were using a false narrative to justify the excessive force to justify taking me at gunpoint to just, I mean, I'm completely unarmed. There's yeah. just no, there's, there's no, no reason for, th for that. There's no reason. So, so, you know, like, that's why, like, every single day is, like, it's just a miracle for me to be alive, you know? Right. Um, we, we got the article out. After that, there's been no other rearrest since then. Right. Because, you know, you can kind of, they, they can operate with impunity and then if, but if they get called out and they're they they get this case like you know into the public spotlight then everything they do is comes under more scrutiny exactly so so it's good that that article was able to come out and very sure. well could have saved my life um and you know like we're still fighting through the legal case and two states are down and there's three states to go and everything looks like it's going to shake out in a good light well I'm definitely pulling for that. Yeah, man. <laughs> and I hope it does. And now all through this time, like you're struggling and you're fighting this battle, right? But yeah. you're also, you know, having this incredible success in this crypto art space. And people see that and they're like, oh my God, this guy's, you know, doing so well and doing all this stuff. But they don't know like how hard the, necessarily how hard the journey has been for you to even get to this point. Yeah, I mean, like not just the journey but then like i feel like i really got a breakdown for people like the reality of it is this you're in a fight for your life all the best things about you are being used against you 
Your skin color is not doing you any favors. In fact, it's working against you. You come from a low-income family who doesn't have the means to support you. If you don't get good legal representation, then you're going to prison for years of your life because chances are you're going to get a lawyer that tells you to plead to something that you should not plead to right. or something you didn't do. Then you've got the police actively hunting you. You've got trying to restructure your life. You're sleeping on the floor of your dad's apartment, one, you know, one bedroom apartment, two bedroom, like very small apartment. And like, no one's coming to save you. Like if you don't, if you don't, if you don't handle this, nobody's going to handle it for you. $15,000 in GoFundMe money doesn't even scratch a quarter million in lawyer fees. Right. Yeah. And so like, and that's just the bottom line. So then you come out of a situation that's been life-threatening, heavily traumatic. You come out of a environment where you're seeing violence every day. You're seeing, you know, you're seeing um, inmate on inmate, inmate on guard, guard on inmate. You get treated like you're less than human. You get handled like you're less than human. You don't feel the sun. You don't feel the wind on your skin. You don't have anything. You literally have nothing. You have no voice. You have no reach. You have no influence. You have nothing. You come out of that and then you're in this fight for your life where all you want to do is, I don't know, go to sleep for a thousand years because <laughs> look what you're coming out of, but you don't have that luxury. Right. So then you have to wake up and fight every single day just for your survival. Like forget thriving. Like you're right. just trying to survive. Can I make it through this and not go to prison for years of my life? Can I make it through this and um and like get the truth out to the world? Right. So, so for me, it had been personal. If I if I didn't, I would never have gotten out if I didn't wake up every single day and just work. Yeah. I mean, get on that phone when I was locked up and try everything I could to tell my right. story. Yeah. I was spending my own savings on the phone. Yeah. I was spending my own savings on my lawyer. I was spending my own savings on my commissary, on things like that. That was coming out of my bank account when I was locked up. So the thing was, is like, and thank God I had it because if I didn't, yeah. who know, I probably would still be locked up. So now I'm out. I got less than $10,000 to my name. I got to try to restart life. I can't get my own place because there's just too much going on at the time. Like I was staying with my dad to try to get back on my feet. But then it was personal. I mean, it was personal. Like it was personal because I've been lied about. It was personal because I was now yet another black man being abused by the system. And I, I've watched countless of my friends. I've watched my father. I've watched, I mean, you know, so many different people, you know, and I could have very well been dead, but I wasn't. Which told me, like, and I knew the whole time, there's got to be something greater. Right. Every single day I woke up when I was incarcerated, I thought to myself, I'm about to get everything I ever wanted in life. And people are <laughs> like, how do you, how do you even figure that? Because if life is putting me up against these great of odds, there has to be something on the other side. Yeah. And it just, it just makes sense. I, and I, I really do believe in like universal laws of light and darkness and, yeah. and the way that things balance that way. And if I, a, a, a man of good intentions, am 
pure intentions and a pure heart and a pure soul, like go out every single day and create my work and do nothing but be honest and transparent and loving to the world. And then I come into this situation where everything that I am is used against me and someone's out to destroy me. And say, I realize that the universe is set in, in front of me, my path, and that it would not have been the path that I would choose that I I would choose, but it was the path that was chosen for me. So I just have to walk that path and fight that fight. Yeah. I came into 2021. The day I left home to leave for Arizona, I remember waking up and I I remember saying, I was I was like doing my morning routine. I always pray in the morning and I just remember saying, like, God, I feel like I'm going to, like, I'm on the verge of a really great breakthrough. Like, I feel like 2021's the year that my art's going to go places that it's never been. Right. And I just remember saying, like, whatever it takes, like, I just want you to take me there. I had no idea what I was asking because two weeks later, I was stepping into this situation that would change my life. So, every single day that I wake up, I think to myself, I'm like, you didn't know it, but you asked for it. Yeah. And so, if you ask for it, you appreciate it. And if you, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like I never spent a day feeling sorry for myself. I was like, I get to fight this fight. Right. I get to fight this fight and I'm not just going to win. I'm going to crush <laughs> anything that stands in my way. Right. You know? And so I, I just took that attitude. I was like, I haven't quit now. Why would I start? I had to fight tooth and nail just to get out. So now I'm fighting tooth and nail for my survival to pay my legal fees. But then that started translating to success. Like I, I, I knew down the line it would come. I felt it. I sensed it. I saw it. I planned for it. But like you never know when. Like you never know when that that moment, that spark's going to be. You're just you're literally just grinding through the night, yep. and you're waiting for sunrise. So. Um, you know, May, June, I made pretty consistent sales. I was doing well on foundation. July rolls around and I get onboarded to super rare. Um, and at that same time too, um, I released the where my vans go series and it just does overwhelmingly well. My super rare stuff sells, you know, I had bought my, um, my punk with like the last bit of ETH that I had. And like everything was just starting to blow, starting to explode, starting like that spark was there, you know, but up until that point, like I never, I never, and even to this day, like I, I'm not to a point yet where I can step back, take my month or two months or three or six months off that I probably need, you know, just to heal myself. Like I've been working through and healing myself in the day to day and doing the best that I can, but I'm not gotten the space that i need i have to continue fighting because i've had to do it to win but now it's like i want to do it because like my story is just beginning like there's nothing there is nothing i can do to the people that abused me that you know a would like like the, the things that i would want to do how should i phrase this I went through a lot and I went through a lot at the hands of white police officers, white judges, people that have no idea about my struggle, my background, people that were happy to 
abuse me, use my milk and use literally anything they could to try to keep me locked up in a cage and not see me succeed. Yep. So then you have to ask yourself, like, how do you heal yourself? Art. How do you avenge yourself? Art. Success. You know, like not quitting. Yeah. You know, like that, like, like fight back with beauty. Like, yeah, that's such a, that's such a good way to exact revenge is to succeed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Like people don't realize, like people are like, dude, I just don't like, they were like, I always, I get this all the time. Like, I don't even know how you made it through. Like you're making it through the situation that you're making it through. Cause what you've gone through is enough to like bury the, the normal person or, you know, like, let alone like succeed like this and like work so hard at your stuff. But I'm like, I am fighting for, I'm fighting for that man in a cell every single day. And I'm fighting for my friends that are in there and I'm fighting for every single black man, man and woman caught up in this system. And like, I'm, I'm doing that every single day. It's so internalized that like that, like when people are like, what just keeps you going? I'm like, dude, you, I, d- I will never live another day in my life where I will not have what I went through be a part of me. Right, yeah. So that's what I'm fighting for every single day. Wow. I, I will never, ever forget that. And then I've got other people who don't have the voice and reach that I do. They don't even have a chance. Right. They have no chance at all. So I'm like, I'm fighting for that. Like, it's so personal. It's like, I can't quit. I have to win. Yeah. I And like, you know, and like, I have this person, these group of people that dead set on burying me. It's like, no, like I'm going to fight and carve out my place in the world. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to take what I carve out and I'm going to help other people do the same yeah, thing. Beautifully said. And you actually, you've... <laughs> It's fascinating because I saw even before I really met you, um, I saw that you like went down and like, you know, bonded people out like with with some of the money you made selling your art. Yeah. Like, so you're not just saying this stuff. You're living you're living those actions in reality. Yeah. No, the first thing the first thing I've done with my with my money is make sure my 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 family is good. Um, Paid off my mom's house. um, Took care of my 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 two two of my three best friends um, have uh, now they're out of incarceration and they're starting new lives as felons, you know, um, as black men and felons in society. And that's hard. Like I watched my father do that is very, very difficult. And so like taking my money, I'm able to help them get up on their feet, you know, put thousands of dollars towards, them just getting basic things they might need, you know? Yep. And this is just the beginning. I mean, I have a big plan for my piece in my van series to to sell it and auction it off and to like really give them all like a fresh start. And that and the nonprofit I'm building is all going to go towards bail relief, law, like um, like crowdsourcing and funding uh, for lawyers, for people in low income situations that can't afford them. Um, and then also like towards um, uh, decarceration and prison abolition as a whole, which I think is the future. I think we can, I think we can build a world based around forgiveness and rehabilitation. And um, I think that's possible. A lot of people can't imagine it, but 
all my work, all my life is about breaking down barriers, you know, people existing in free spaces and being themselves and being able to be free and one with the world. Like there's a lot to iron out there, but I think it's the future. And I think in time we will see that America doesn't even know how to exist without being punitive or consistently punishing people or subjecting people to punishment and torture. And that's all we know. That's all we know. And we've not just, we've not just built a country off of it. We've built a whole industry off of it, which then funds our country and our government, which then um, is a huge, huge check in the box in uh, the problem of rampant capitalism in this country and greed. And we're profiting off of people that we're literally enslaving. Um, And so that's, that's, that's the future. That's the long-term goal of my work is I want to see people be free. You know, when I'm exploring, I'm free. Nothing else matters. You know, I'm there. I'm one with the world. I'm not harming anybody. Yeah. I'm not taking from anybody. Just me and the world. Yeah. Right. People deserve to be free. Humans were not meant to exist inside cages. They were not. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, you know, like, so we have a long ways to go to get there, but that's one of the long-term goals of my work is prison abolition and being a voice for that and planning and carving out a future that, you know, looks, um, that is designed that way, you know? So, um, well, you've taken big leaps towards that dream. Yeah. Just this year alone. I mean, and also something you're doing that I think is so important to recognize is you're showing people that there is a path and that if you can stick with your convictions and you can not give up and chase the dreams that you're after, you're living proof that it's possible. Yeah. I mean, and that's going to open up a lot of worlds for people. It is, you know, like I think when I'm talking to artists or people in general, I just like once you find that thing that you love, because that really is the starting point is like finding your truth. I think, well, I think the starting point is finding yourself first, really being honest and accountable to yourself because you're not going to find yourself until you really start looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself about Am I being a hundred percent authentically me? Once you get to that point where you are, then truth finds you. Whatever it is that you're meant to do in the world, it finds you once you find yourself. That much I do know. And then once you find that, you're you're on your way at that point. Like you really are on your way. You're just you you definitely um it's not saying you're not gonna face obstacles, you are, but every obstacle is there to get you to another level and you are responsible. Like at some point in your life, you have to decide I'm either going to be what the world wants me to be, or I'm going to force the world to deal with who I am, you know? Mm. Um, and you're responsible for carving that place out for yourself. You're responsible for putting your truth out into the world. You're responsible for, for leading with your convictions. And most people, they don't know themselves well enough to even know what those convictions are. But once you do get to that point, if you do make it to that point, you should know that like 
you're on your way. And so, and it is possible. Anything's possible at that point because then I feel like the entire universe comes together and conspires to help you. You know, right? Like when I when I talk about my situation and um and like everything that's happened. There's so many, I mean, this is the, this is the very condensed version, but there's so many, there've been so many moments of right person, right time, this person coming, this person that knew this person that talked to this person. And next thing you know, like my story is getting out there, you know, but I never quit on my belief. Like I was, I was locked up. I was, I was still a hundred percent an artist. Yeah. I was writing every day. I was reading. I was, I was, I was writing on my on my cell walls, everywhere I went, I was tagging my name. I was, you know, writing to the moon and never back, like in little <laughs> corners. Like, I mean, like dude, everywhere I went, like, you know, like I just never quit. I was sitting and and dreaming at night about climbing, you know, laying in my cell bed and like looking out the window and thinking like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this. I'm going to change the world. And, and when I ran, like when I saw NFTs, I was like, this is it. Because I don't need anybody to justify my art. I don't need anybody to tell me like, oh, you know, like my art is not, no one in my community has ever broke through in the fine arts world, ever. Literally ever. In fact, I've been told by so many people, you know, that's the other thing too, is like, I was made fun of when I was locked up by people in my urban exploring community. I was told that I was getting what I deserve for, uh, even though like this had nothing to do with my case for putting, you know, uh, for putting some of my best work out there to the world. I was told that, oh, this is not a, not a hobby, not a, not a art form that you can profit off of, that you can make a name for yourself for. That was never the goal. The goal was to find my truth and live my truth out for the rest of my life at any cost. You know, I didn't plan to blow up. I didn't plan to make so much money. I didn't plan to have so much success. All I knew was this is my truth and I'm going to live it. Right. But once you get on that track, everything else finds you, yeah. you know, friends, peers, uh, finances, uh, connections, you know, then, then, then it just, it, it just, it just grows. It's like a plant it just grows another branch. It grows another branch. Now, now you got a whole tree, you know, where this is started with this one seed of you just following one thing. And now you have this whole tree where the ripple effect yeah. is just You've affected this life and that life and you've branched out to this thing and that thing and it all just started with you doing one thing. Yeah. And it's funny, like I love the metaphor you're using because I've talked a lot about this too, about the community and like all, all the artists are so supportive of each other. And I really feel like we're in this digital ecosystem, like a forest. Mm-hmm. So like that's your seed. You're this tree in this community. And like it's actually the health of the whole ecosystem that allows us individual trees to thrive and grow and branch out and connect and right and it's like if so in this community i feel like there's this real protective nature like we protect each other and we support each other and that's really the whole thesis behind all ships too Mm -hmm. it's like all ships rise with the tide like we're in this together like your success is not a threat to me no your success shows me that those the doors are open yep and we can go anywhere and we can do whatever we want right and the if we can start with living our truths and and encouraging others to do the same then like that wider ecosystem will be much healthier and can support way more people right so it's a beautiful thing man and i'm glad this world brought you and i together too me too it did yeah are you your branches and my branches like intersected and like now here we are like sitting in my apartment amongst the plants. Amongst, yes, yeah, amongst the jungle plants. Yes. 
to the listener, yeah, we're we're sitting uh, surrounded by greenery in my in my apartment. But and uh, I love it. Yeah, drift. It's been um, so incredible to hear. Like I, you know, I knew your story, but to hear it um, in person and and at this level of of depth and detail, and to see the, to see and hear the passion that you bring is just inspiring beyond belief. And you know, thank you for joining me here today. Can we? Uh, can you let me know? Or can you let the listeners know rather where they can find you and connect with you and yes. uh, what's coming up for you next and and how how people can um, contribute to you and your story? Absolutely. Um, well, my my all my socials are Drifter Shoots, so that's my Instagram, that's my Twitter, um, that's my YouTube, um, and my website's driftershoots.com. I will be. Um, definitely updating it and trying to keep blogs and whatnot and some some new writing stuff um i keep my writing on instagram as well um and then that's also all of my um like uh, nft links too and so um and what's coming next is we've got the final drop of the where my vans go series looking at between Right now, there's 78 pieces out in the world, and we're looking at between 100 and 110, um, and it's to be decided. And beyond that, um, continued work on Super Rare. Um, every once in a while, I'm planning a, another piece to release another piece soon. And then uh, also uh, just fighting through the remainder of these legal cases and just um you know wishing for the best result or looking at good results and uh just moving forward in life with uh i mean just the the next chapter and i and then that just in restructuring my own life you know because i'm still in the midst of crisis and so figuring out what healing and restructuring and all of that looks like for me and i'm still figuring that out i'm still trying to do my best in the day to day and i've been plugged in but i'm looking at what unplugging looks like for me and taking a step back and just uh so i can continue to be the best artist in person that i can be to the world well said and and good goals to have drift thank you so much for sharing your story with us i'm sure it's very beneficial for people to hear you know how you got here and and all the things that you've put up with and yet um never you know never losing sight of your goals and your mission in life and i wish you all the best and all the success and know that i have your back so let's you know like you said to the moon <laughs> yep and never back absolutely thank you so much dave thank you so much to drift for this deep dive into his unique and inspiring journey he is a true example of someone who took a tough situation and turned it into something productive and inspiring. I personally am extremely inspired by this story and grateful to call Isaac a friend. Follow his work at Drifter Shoots across all socials, and if you ever get a chance to collect his work, I would jump right on it. Thank you to the masterful musician Ollie Channon for our theme music. You can find him on all streaming services and at ollichannon.com. I'm Dave Krugman, and until next time, keep your creativity flowing. Productions Podcast.